0: We love our friends from Wellspring. They have been so generous. We have our Thursday bridge class there with Pastor Aaron, and whenever you guys come, people always ask me, who's, who's playing tonight, right? You, you know, we, we, get, we get the snobs, right? You know, like, like you know, if Pastor Nate's not here, you know, a lot of, you know, Pastor Nate's not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. And so, you know, we don't want to get the Bob snobs, Right? <laughs> So, but whenever I, whenever I say Wellspring is coming, people are super stoked. Um, you guys are super genuine, and we love your worship, and you bless us immensely. So, thank you. So. You know, I was thinking when she was talking, and, and listening to you guys be excited during worship excites me because I want you to think about how excited you were when you were sitting in your car and you were dope sick. And the connection finally answered the phone after like a hundred tries and agreed to meet you at Home Depot in Salinas to score a sack, right? You were excited, weren't you? Like, yeah! I mean, you turn the radio or you're waiting for the liquor store to open at six o'clock in the morning. Hits, boom, in, get your bottle, start your day. So we should be excited. We should be praising the Lord. We should be shouting out in excitement of what God is doing in our lives. Amen. All right, so tonight we are in Hebrews 12. I love Hebrews 12. I'm not going to do a ton of it. Uh, The title of the study is Time to Get Ready. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's time to get ready. ready. All right. (laughs) So we know that Hebrews, Hebrews 12 has a theme of running, right? So I've shared this story many times. I'm going to share it again tonight. Uh, because of the addiction in my family and the horrendous way that I was brought up, my only escape was, my only excusable escape to my dad was that I, I, I was on the track team, cross country team, so I had to go running. So whenever I had the opportunity, I would run for hours and hours and hours through the streets of Norwalk and Downey, you know, a suburb of Los Angeles. Um, and just run and run and run and run. Not because I was a super athlete. I was I ran because I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to be around the drinking and, and the abuse and and just all of the nonsense that went with that. So I would just run. But the but the outcome of that was I I, I became good in running. Um, I actually in high school became the person to beat in the 800 meters. So. That kind of felt good. You know, I was, you know, I was undefeated pretty much all season. I was expected to win the finals. I expected to win the finals, right? And, and I believed that I would. I was the best in the league. I was undefeated. And I, so I knew pretty much, or hoped pretty much, that I was going to win. I remember the day of the race. Uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, come on, you're going to win. You're going to do good. You're going to win. And I remember I took off, and I was, I was well ahead of the pack. And as I came around that second time, that last 110 yards, there's the tape, I'm running, I turn on the gas, I, I, I take my eye off of the race for just a moment so that the tape can cross my chest and I can become a winner, right? But just as that tape hit my chest it just as quickly came off of my chest. The headline in the newspaper the next morning read, Limpke edges out Casey. I had lost the race, not because I wasn't a good runner, not because I wasn't a good athlete, because I momentarily took my eyes off of the goal, which in that case was running or winning the race. In this case, we have our eye on Christ. We have our eye on the goal or the prize is sobriety. And we have an enemy, amen? Do do you guys all believe that? So we have an enemy that does not want Chelsea up here doing announcements, that did not want her to complete the bridge, that wanted to take her kids away, that wanted to see her be a failure, that wanted to see all of you guys stay down, that loves keeping Monterey County Jail full of people, amen? Amen? And that enemy is depending on you momentarily taking your eyes off of the prize and putting your eyes on anything else so that that victory can be stolen from you. And it can be. But there's ways that we can protect ourselves. And I'm going to go ahead and read the first verse in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great or a huge cloud of witness... And so we can take this from the chapter before because the chapter before is, can you remember what it was called? The Hall of Faith. So the Hall of Faith was all about people who before us did what they set out to do. They were successful. They were obedient. They achieved God's promise in their life. Whether or not it came in a timely fashion or never, whether or not it came in a way that they shot it, thought it should, or had hoped it would, but it came. And so we have been in the past, and this is a key, it is your choice now who you surround yourself with. Amen? If you choose to surround yourself with what I would call a great cloud of witness or a great group of believers, then your chance of success is greatly increased. Now, if I left here tomorrow and I went and hung around in Chinatown, right, immediately my faith is going to be bold, it's going to be strong, But if I hang around a bar long enough, I'm going to have a drink. Amen? So I, don't, I, I can go there and I can talk. In fact, we took this meeting years ago um, to Chinatown. We used to do a Monday night meeting, but it was, I think, Thursday afternoons at, like, noon in Chinatown. It was always entertaining. In the middle of the meeting, it would be like a girl fight out in the middle of the streets. So everybody would run out of the room to watch the girl fight. Um, it was, I guess, more way. Yeah, it was way more entertaining than the meeting, right? Come on, right? Somebody hollers, "Girl fight!" Their whole, just the whole chapel just emptied, and we we went out there too, right? So, so I couldn't blame them for going if we went as well. Um, but it's the people you surround yourself with. Right. If you choose to surround yourself with people who have your best interest at heart, who believe in you, who are faithful believers, who are solid Christians, who are what we would call normal people—which I don't even know if that's a good word because I don't even know what a normal person is. Right. I—I I certainly am not. I hope a normal person. Um, please don't put me in that category. But by such a huge crowd of witness. To the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. Right? You know what that is, right? So I'm going to read it out of the new King, the New King James Version, as well. So it's funny the the, the versions that you learn verses in are kind of the versions the versions that always like stick in your heart. I was reading this, sam I'm like, that's yeah, that's all. I, I get it, but I learned I learned this one out of the New King James, and so I just couldn't get it out of my head. So you know, I'm gonna I'm um, since I'm up here and I'm in charge tonight for this for this bit of time, I can read it too. So I'm gonna share this version as well, um, and then I'm gonna actually spend a little bit of time talking about it because I think it is so so important. So this is out of the New King James, where it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which easily ensnares us. Now, how many people watch the Nature Channel? Are the, are, you know, or how many of you people have ever used one of those, with the, like, those finger traps, right? You ever stuck your fingers in those? The tighter you pull them, what happens? The tighter it gets. Right? I like to watch, and I say this all the time, the show Naked and Afraid, and they're always building snares, and they build snares to trap small game so that they can eat it, right? And a snare works on the principle of the animal steps in a loop, and the harder the animal pulls away, the tighter the snare gets, so that eventually they tire out, they are unable to defend themselves, and they're easily picked up by the game hunter, obviously, and killed and used for the purpose in which they were trapped for, is to eat, right? So if we look at that in our lives, if we think of the sins that ensnare us, we know that there are sins that we have been involved in that the more we stay involved with them, the harder they are to get out of, right? That's why addiction, the more dope you use, the harder it is to detox. The more alcohol you drink, the harder it is to detox. The more Xanax you take, the harder it is to detox. So we know it's that snare, it's that trap that is so, it so easily entangles us. It's so easy. You know, like you think, well, okay, good, I'll go to jail, so it'll be easy. My easiest detox was in jail only because I did not like the offer that they gave me to pay for the dope that they were offering me. Oh, I wanted the heroin they offered me in jail, but I knew that I was not going to be able to call my wife and say, hey, can you go over to Tout Street, to this apartment, and to apartment number nine, and give uh, Juanita a hundred bucks? She would say, why? Oh, because I'm trying to help this guy out in jail, and she's late on her pg and or something, right? I'm like, this is never going to work. Nobody, my my wife is not going to fall for that. So I am not going to be able to buy dope in jail. So that was good. But so many people get caught up in that ensnared in that. And where they think they're going to find freedom, they find that they're even more trapped. Because now you're locked into a space and if you can't pay, or if you can't convince your wife to go pay off your dope deal, you're even in bigger trouble. So the snare has tightened, and it's even harder to get away, and that's what sin does to us. It, it catches us up. And I want to, um, in reading this, I want to share out of Psalm 91 as well. So, ooh, there we go. So you can actually follow along if you want. And Psalm 91 is actually one of my, one of my favorite psalms. Um, It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So who are we talking about here? We're talking about whoever. Who who would that be? That would be us. So if we, if Mike, or if Susie, or if Ashley, the one that chases people down, I'm telling you, that's a mistake. If If you try walking out from the program when Ashley's working, the last thing you want to do is turn around and see her coming down the street after you. Right, so she is an opposite of a bouncer. No, no, actually, she is a bouncer. She'll bounce you right back, All right? You don't want to mess with her, not because she's mean or not because she's rude, because she's been there and she knows that a, mem- a momentary lapse in judgment can cost you to be in anguish f- forever. Right? So, so he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And sometimes the shadow or the shade is a good place to be, isn't it? You know, I, I hate rainy weather. I don't like Monterey weather. I, I never planned on staying in Monterey. Um, Michelle and I moved here, and the day our youngest son graduated from high school, we were supposed to move back to Northern California, and I was going to get my old job back and, uh, at, the, at the hospital. Michelle and I were both going to go back to the hospital that we worked at, and, uh, and that was our plan, Period. But we found ourselves in Seaside signing a lease for the first bridge property. And um, as we signed, right, Michelle looked at me and said, I guess we're not going back to Red Bluff. I said, I guess not. You know, I wanted to go back to the sunshine. I wanted to go back where I felt comfortable. I wanted to go back where, um, where I, where I, the, to the place that I missed, you know the place that i that i really had fond memories of even though it was some of the worst times of my life but god had a different plan so now sheltering under that shadow of god's wing is an awesome thing because it means you're in god's will right and if you're in god's will you're not going to be in the back of you're not going to be in the back of a police car right you're not going to be in handcuffs you're not going to be sitting in booking all night long you're not going to be sitting in your dorm waiting for somebody to make a spread so you can eat right you're going to be, you're not going to be waiting up all night to watch Cops on TV. Isn't that funny? In jail watching Cops, right? Come on. Come on. The irony, right? Seriously. But, it, but it's what we do, right? It's what we do. So we'll abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress in God whom I trust. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Isn't that what we were just talking about? So if you found yourself or if you find yourself getting tripped up or caught up, um, what you said and what it was fall to your knees, fall to your knees, pray for forgiveness, pray for help, pray for somebody to come along and help you out of this mess you find yourself in once again. Because... The last place that we want to find ourselves is in the hands of the fowler. And if we want to take that back a step further, in this instance, the fowler we would equate to the enemy. Right? He's the one who wants to mess you up. He's the one that wants to trip you up. He's the one who wants to see you in misery and agony and separated from your family and your kids and your job and just like hating life and and maybe taking your own life. That's the ultimate victory for the person that we call our enemy. But The psalm and the book of Hebrews are both saying the same thing, that don't get caught up in the the snare of that fowler, but this is telling us that that's not what we want to do. It says in here, he will deliver you. How many people in here can say they feel that they have been delivered from their old life, delivered from their addiction, delivered from their old way of life, delivered from their old friends, their old places, the old things? right? Because it takes a a delivery. When I went into Victory Outreach and I sat down with Pastor Herb um, and he interviewed me, um, I told him all the things that I was going to do for him. How I, because I had a business, right? You know, big, big time business, property maintenance. How my business was going to make their church rich. How I was going to make their house better because I was in it how their church was going to be better because I was going to financially contribute to it, how their work program was going to be better because I was going to put all their guys to work and teach them a trade. Well, Pastor Herb got quite a laugh out of that. Um, And he told me, for me, he said, after talking to you, Mike, um, I think the only way that you're going to change is if God delivers you because you are so full of yourself. You are not capable of just doing it and listening. Um, and, I, and I proved that. In the men's home, I mean, I, I, mean I, got in, I was getting in trouble like 10 times a day. And Pastor Herb told the home director, Pastor Charlie, he said, and I happened to be Pastor Charlie's first intake. I was his first intake as a home director. He said, I just don't know what to do with Mike. He sneaks out three or four times a day. We can't keep track of him. We can't keep him in the house. He keeps smoking and blah, blah, blah. Don't do as I do. Do as I say, right? Um, And Pastor Herb said, kick him out. Just kick him out. And and, um, I'm I'm glad that Pastor Charlie did not kick me out and that they did have grace and mercy upon me and did see me, even though I was only there for three days, um, that... that (laughs) But just think of how God works. I went into a year-long program that I know that I probably would have never stayed in. Three days later, I go into the hospital, have a stroke. I'm in a coma for six weeks. When I wake up, I'm, I'm, I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink anymore. I'm over my addiction to heroin. I'm like, man, this is, this is awesome. I can't walk. I can't tell time. I can't read. I can't write. I can't drive. But hey, I don't shoot dope anymore, right? There's always a silver lining, in the, in the right? Isn't there? There always is. Uh, so, let me put this down here. So, so I'm gonna, uh, he, uh, excuse me. My Lord and my, my fortune and my trust, he will deliver me from the, from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. Under his wings, you will find his faithfulness, a shield, a buckler, and you will not fear the terror of the night. It's that fear of the old life. It's the fear of failure. It's the fear of being who you were. It's the fear of being nobody. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's a horrible thing to be looked down upon, isn't it? To be looked at as less than everybody else, you know? I only panhandled once in my life, right? One time at the Arco on Alisal, on right? I asked a lady for a quarter. She called me a dirtbag she threw the quarter at me, it hit me in the forehead, and I picked it up. That didn't feel good. Right? When you are buying 25 cents worth of gas, think about this. I have a big Ford man. I'm buying, I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna put a quarter's worth of gas in so I can try to make it home for dinner. Because I spent all the money that I had on dope. So it doesn't feel good to feel like that, does it? It feels so much better to be sober, to be at church, to be walking right on the patio on a Sunday or going to the grill or grab a cup of coffee or or coming in and being greeted by our our hospitality team there with like um, uh, Greg's uh, latest baked delights chocolates. I mean, I got a couple of Kit Kats sitting over there waiting for me. You know, hot coffee, chocolate, to be greeted with a smile, to come in and to be welcome and to hear... Awesome worship to be given the opportunity to lay your problems at the foot of the cross, to raise your hands and praise to Jesus. You know how much better that feels than getting hit in the head with a quarter at the Arco? Right? Right? You guys are way more awesome than that. You know what I mean. But it's the point I'm making. What, what position do you want to be in? But that's our choice. I say it all the time. We have the choice that we can either be that person that we were or we can be somebody else completely. And that somebody else completely is the person that God wants us to be. Amen? You know, so it goes on to say, it says, uh, verse 2, We do not not do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. And that the he endured at the cross. So we know that for us to be here and to be free and to be worshiping, a price had to be paid, right? And we know that price was paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. He laid down his life. Or he gave up his life. Nobody killed him. He gave up his life for us so that we could have freedom, so that we could live together in eternity. This is a, this is a temporal thing right here. I know it's really hard to wrap your mind out around like, that this is just a temporary thing, but, and to plan for eternity, because so many of us, especially people who are prone to addiction, we're, we're in the moment. We're in the here and now. We don't think about tomorrow and two weeks and four weeks and six weeks and eight weeks and 10 weeks. You know, we don't think about our retirement. I've shared many times, we spent our retirement a long time ago, right? Now that we're drawing closer, we're like, man, we don't, we don't have any money. So all we can do is rely on the faith that, that God will take care of us. And that's what we believe. And so it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a worry. Um, verse 3, it says, Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not, you have, uh, excuse me, after all, have you not given up your lives and your struggles against sin? Right? Once you give that up. We don't have to, that's a struggle we don't have to take on anymore, right? We don't have to, we don't have to try to uh, battle withdrawals again. We don't have to try to go through all that again. Once we have given that lifestyle up and once we have walked away from it, I know how easy it is to walk back. I do. You know, I mean, like all the thing, you know, AA is for quitters. You know, it is because, you know, you quit just constantly. How many times do you quit smoking? right, those of you that smoke, you know, we quit smoking and quit smoking and quit smoking and quit smoking, and it doesn't matter how many times that you have failed, you know, Chelsea, when she shares or when she came into the bridge, like, she had been in a lot of programs, and we thought, oh, you know, this poor sweet girl, so many programs, they just didn't understand her, and gosh, she seems so nice, and oh, my God. Oh, it didn't take us long to figure out why she was in so many programs. (laughs) She bucked every rule, fought everything, questioned everything, doubted everything, thought we were nut jobs. You know, when you have a girl come into the program and she tells you you're a nutcase for what you believe in, it's like, okay, that's cool. But then that's the very same girl who comes up to my house a couple nights a week with a a notebook with like pages. It would take me hours to answer all these questions sometime. And then she wanted a chronological Bible because she learned that our Bible is really not chronologically correct in the way that it's put together. Um, And then she would would quiz me. Did you know that? (laughs) Like she was going to catch me on something, you know. (laughs) But that's because she gave up the old life. So she doesn't have to struggle against that particular belief. She struggles, you know. She's married. She's got kids. Problems happen. You know, blended marriages are tough. Second marriages are tough. You know, P- P2 people being in recovery getting married are tough. So the obstacles that she's dealing with now are far different than those, but they're no less obstacles. But what we do by being here and by being surrounded by people that we trust is we learn, we get good, biblical, solid advice. You don't need the advice from all your friends in jail, right? Everybody in jail thinks they're a lawyer, right? I was telling them, go to law school when you get out. Because they give really bad advice. I get people, believe me, people call me every day. Why? My buddy said that I should do this. No, 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 no. Do not do that. And I'm not a lawyer. I just go to court a lot. You know, so I, I, I've been around it enough, I know the sentencing, I know how judges react to people trying to do better, trying to get into a program, trying to change their life in a genuine and earnest way, so I can give advice that's not legal, but I can give advice that's godly, yes. right, and I can be honest in my advice, and my advice is received, um, and like I said, if you, if you do the things that you're supposed to do, your life will change dramatically, that's a guarantee. That's, I mean, that's an absolute guarantee. Your life will never be the same because once you meet Christ and you start taking your life in a whole new direction, it's like, wow, I didn't know life could be like this. I didn't know I could smile so much. You know, I didn't know that I would have so much joy in the things that I do. You know, I'm, you, know, you, know you find yourself, you know, in the kitchen on a Sunday, working the grill, washing dishes, being happy, Right? A bunch of me and the bridge guys went to church Friday night and some of the graduates and some of the ladies to church and to Victory Outreach in Salinas on, on Friday night. And we had a blast. We had an absolute hilarious laughing nonstop just not that the message was funny. It was, we just had fun. We had good, clean fun. We ran into a bunch of drunk drivers on the way home. Which was hilarious because people kept trying to run into us. And we're like, that used to be us, right? It was like it was it was crazy. But we were able to go out and just have fun, go to McDonald's, get an ice cream Sunday, sit there and just talk and be like, This is like this is this is this is great. Could you ever imagine that in your old life? You know, I'm gonna hang around a bunch of church people and go to church when I don't have to? You know. <laughs> Mind you, and I'm going to be honest, when I became a Christian, I made a deal with Michelle. I will go to to church because I'm a Christian now, but I'm only going to go on Sundays. Do not, under any circumstances, ask me to go to to no talent night, no special guest speaker, no guy coming up here making pottery and talking about Jesus, no singing groups, no plays, no no nothing, no Wednesday nights. I'm not doing it. I will go on Sundays, and that's it. Well, ironically, I work at a church, right? I'm here every day. Because one was my will, and one was God's will, right? God said, you go ahead and go once a week. Go ahead. Try it. See how that works, right? And it worked for a while. It did. And I resisted for a while. I did come and see the pottery guy, because she insisted. She still talks about him. Remember the pot? Yeah, I remember the pottery guy. You forced me to come. How could I? How could I not remember the pottery guy? Right. If you've never seen the pottery guy, he's on YouTube. He's pretty good. I, I don't remember what Who his name is? What's he Michael? <laughs> Michael the pottery guy. Pretty good. But what I'm what I'm talking about here is let me let me boil this down, real simple. Is we need to surround ourselves with people that we trust, people that believe in us, people that love us, people that care about us because there are so many people out there that want you to go with them and get high. Let's go. Let's go, let's go. All your homies are waiting for you. Well, welcome back, right? Good to see you. Yeah, you know why? Because you because you've been doing good for a long time. You got money now. You probably got a bank account. Whenever I run into somebody from the past, they tell me how well they're doing, and you could obviously see they're not well. They're living out of a shopping cart, walking across, you know, Market Street or Alice Al Street or whatever street in Salinas. They tell you how good they're doing, how much they're reading the Bible, how much they're going to church, and then they ask you for money. Okay, well, you're not doing that well, are you? But they're only asking me for money because they see that I'm doing well. The only reason you're free, these people want you to come in, fresh meat. You got money now, right? You got money now. Christian is going. I ain't got no money. <laughs> you will. But those are not the people that have your best interest at heart. Those are not the people that care about you. Those are not the people that, are, that love you. Like, like, think about this for a moment. Who, when you were in jail, who came to see you? Who put money on your books? Who put money on your phone? Who let you call them? What happened to all those friends you had? And when you get out of jail, it's like, well, I was going to come and see you. Well, I was going to send you a package, but the, the, the kiosk at the jail was broken. <laughs> right? I was going to put money on your phone, but my, somebody frauded my debit card. We've heard all those, right? All of them. We've heard all those excuses. I would have bailed you out, but. Well, nobody bailed me out because Michelle called every human being I knew and said, don't bail them out. <laughs> Even my boss. I called my boss. Come on, she did. She called everybody I knew and said, "Don't bail Mike out." So every time I called, nobody accepted my collect call. It was bad. Yeah, you can clap. That was good. Um, but my encouragement to you is just in this first part of scripture, because this whole chapter is so rich, is to surround yourselves with those people that you. That you believe in, that you know that believe in you, that you trust, that trust you, that you love and that love you, and that you know that are going to speak up and say something if you're messing around. You know, because you know if you're messing around, Ashley's going to tell you what's up, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard it. And I'm, I'm giving the nice version, right? Right? You are, you are. You're nice because you care, and you're nice because you love people. But when people do stupid things, it hurts you. And that's what it's about. So surround yourself with people that care about you, that love you, that want to see you do well. And then you don't have to worry about those things, that, those, that sin that so easily ensnares you. And if you know what those things are, you need to get rid of them. You need to cut them out. You need to get as far away from you as you can. And we all know what they are, right? We all know those, what those things are that are going to trip us. Every person in this room, I know that you know those things that are going to trip you up, don't you? It's those places, it's those people, it's those situations, it's those things. That But the thing is that they're familiar to us, so we're drawn to them because we find comfort there because there's nothing expected of you. It's the old lifestyle. Nobody expects anything of you, right? You're just a junkie. You're just a bum. You're just a panhandler. But when you, when you get sobriety and you start going to church and you you proclaim faith, there becomes that expectation that your life is going to change. And now you have people that look up to you and that depend on you. And yeah, it's scary. But what Chelsea said was, it's hard, yes, but we have to do it or go back to the old way of living. And I tell, I'm very honest about that. If this isn't going to work for you, go back and do what you were doing and do it to the best of your ability. And stay alive alive or out of jail as long as you can. Because the only ending ways are, are, are we know you're either going to die, you're going to end up in jail, you're going to end up in the crazy house, right? Those, or, or get sober. Those are your choices. So, I mean, it's your choice, so make a good choice is what I'm trying to say. And if you have sobriety tonight, hold on to it with everything you got. If you have bad people in your life, you should think about moving them out and replacing them with people that should be in your life. Surround yourself with your own Great cloud of witness, you know, amen. So we're going to do something a little bit tonight. We're going to invite the worship team back up and they're going to, uh, they're going to play and uh, if you feel like you want to come up front and kneel or pray or get on your face or raise your hands, you do whatever you feel like God is calling you to do.